the first time this decade. Ira Jersey, take it away. Welcome to League One Fun. We're presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scarves. Please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Ira Jersey, and that voice you heard for the first time this year was Jason. Jason, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So, you know what's weird about this whole decade thing? And I'm going to, we all know that I'm a nerd, right? So it's it's oh, technically boy. not the beginning of a new decade. Oh, boy. Here comes some stats just right not. off the back. <laughs> no, year zero is zero. So year one is the first of the decade. So when you get to 10, that's the last of the decade. So technically, when we did that whole 1999 to 2000 thing, technically, the new millennia didn't start till 2001. But, you pr- know. Pr- Princeton create a classic and die for you to talk about 1999, <laughs> 2000 like this. All right, we're gonna stop you right there. Ira. All right. Well, I uh, that that was that was a big thing for me. You know, I, I heard uh, I I saw Prince sing that song in California in 1984. So, um, anyway, flex but, on us then. Now flex I really really aged myself, and it was Prince at the time. So, so yes. Jason, we're talking about USL League One. We are um, we are less than three months away from the first kick of the uh of the season what do you want to talk about first maybe we should talk about some of the transfers that actually happened yeah let's we can talk about that we can also talk about how that's just that's too far away i'm starting to get impatient i'm like making statistic sheets when players aren't even on teams yet i I don't know what i'm doing i gotta find a (laughs) hobby uh, it was it was betting, and I think I've lost a couple hundred dollars in December, so it's not going to be that anymore. So I gotta I gotta figure this out. This is well, too the, long of an off season. This is actually the only time of year that I actually watch the Premier League and uh, and and my side in the Premier League. So that's uh, that's my my soccer fix right there. Is, okay, uh, is that? But otherwise, um, you know, we we had a, a, we'll, we'll talk at the end of the show about our plans for the next couple of months. But um, you know, we we had a few shows in November and December where we talked about the economy growing up behind the now filled out pyramid of U.S. soccer. And, you know, we we have to say that there has been some, you know, real money transfers, not like high dollar value where, you know, people got, you know, teams got paid millions of dollars or even hundreds of thousands, but teams got paid cash money uh, in for players and then future consideration. So basically sell on clauses for some of these players. It was something that, you know, we talked about briefly when I interviewed, um, the owner of uh, of South Georgia Tormenta, and he had mentioned that you know it's really the future consideration that they're really hoping to get because if um, you know the next team sells on that player for you know a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars, then obviously the team that gave, put them into that player in the limelight uh, can then can then get their payday for having them. And Connor Antley, it turns out, was that first person, Jason. It was uh, really exciting to know, right? Yeah, it was, and well-deserved. I think a lot of us saw that coming, especially the way he played last year. And like you said, I think the incentives are also a big part of this. You see MLS started doing that more uh, in the past couple years. And I think what the difference is, what this allows is for League One players, if they come up the championship and they play well, not only is that a good indication of the quality of level in USL League One, but it also kind of raises those prices for the transfer, right? So you, you can say, you know, if Connor Antley comes in and dominates in championship, you can, you know, you can point and say, hey, we got, 
you know, $7,000 plus future consideration. Now we want $12,000 in future consideration, or maybe they have to put up the higher incentive mark, right? So instead of Connor getting five assists and five goals, if he dominates that, maybe the future considerations now they're going to raise for a higher price, but it's going to be something like, you know, 10 assists and 10 goals, you know, just things that are going to show that the quality of the league is actually on par or close to championship. Yeah. So, so there were also a few other, uh, a few other, uh, you know, cash money deals that were done. Joe Gallardo uh, went to the Real Monarchs from Richmond Kickers. You know, that was another good trade for them. We That was the first I th- one uh, trade that I think we actually got, you know, more or less full details of. We know it was a $7,000 um, uh, $7,000 fee plus future consideration. Um, you know, uh, my guess is Connor Antley was similar, although the details of that transaction haven't been released. And then, uh, Kevin Pollitz also went from Greenville to Hartf- Hartford athletics. So yep. you have, you know, three players right there going up to, uh, the championship and, you know, for Joe Gallardo, it's not only a championship team, but the po- real possibility of you know seeing an MLS uh, minutes uh, maybe maybe it's only U.S. Open Cup, but you know he has a real chance there to get into the um, Real Salt Lake lineup. Yeah, defending champions. And I was just about to say, you know, when you got Nick Moon going to Indy 11 as well. And so these are players that are going to playoff teams, right? These are not teams at the bottom of the barrel. You know, deciding well, for, that they don't except want for Hartford. Hartford. I mean, the way they run, they're always going to be bottom. But uh. but if you if you have these teams you know showing hey you know we are right there like indy was right there right they're a couple games away from running a championship so a lot of times you'll see that teams maybe they feel like okay we can keep our core and we can just buy maybe one or two big players but indy's saying that you know we're buying these players as an investment because we think that they can compete with the best of the best in championship and that we can run it back and go right to the same spot that we were if not make that jump to the championship so it's really cool to see so uh, you know we're going to go long on this question because i think it's really important for the whole you know infrastructure of u.s soccer um, you know, Coach John Harks, the coach of the Greenville Triumph, mentioned that this was exactly what needed to happen. Uh, you can go back in his Twitter feed from mid-December after uh, the Kevin Pollitt's move occurred. And basically he said that, look, this has to be what happens because the clubs and leagues have to be open and respect the tier structure. And uh, there's quality players at every level. And he said this is very important for the growth and respect of our game. Um, and I think he's right as well. Um so something else that, that I wanted to ask you about these, you know, th- these three players in particular is, you know, in Connor's case, how much time do you think he actually sees at Indy 11? And, you know, I'm not an Indy 11 uh, expert by any stretch of the imagination, but it seems like they have, you know, they already have a right back. And, you know, do you think that he'll wind up playing more on the wing or, or you know, more as was he purchased more as a depth option? Yeah, it, it depends. Right. I think. You know, with USL, it's it's never a given, right? I think with MLS, when you start spending hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars on players, even when they're not performing well, you're kind of pressured into playing them because you spent all that money, right? But in USL, it's one of those things. I think Connor can go in there and compete, 
right? And if an injury happens or maybe, you know, Indy in their system, the right back's not doing well, he can come in. And if he starts, you know, playing better, I, I, that position's his. I don't think it's one of those things to where all the starters are set in stone, right? Unless you are, you know, you have your star striker, you have a star midfielder. But I think the, the difference between USL and MLS is that these players can go to new teams and compete for a spot immediately as opposed to just waiting on the bench for a year or only playing U.S. Open Cup games. That, that's a good point, too, because he will have the whole preseason to to prove himself, and he could win that spot even in preseason, uh, you know, behind closed doors. We, we uh, will wait and see. Yeah, that's really interesting. And and we know what Joe Gallardo could do, um, you know, how creative he is. So he's an interesting option, too. Um, I, I'll be interested to see how much the Monarchs uh, play him early in the season. Um, and Kevin Pollitz will likely start at Hartford Athletic. I mean, he's already had championship experience. He's from the New York area. I think that was probably a good um, move for him. You, Just, you so. can probably start at Hartford on that back line. <laughs> I promise. Yeah, my uh, play, playing left back for my over 40 team qualifies me. Yeah, maybe. Listen. All right. Uh, so um, other other news about something that we won't um, end up talking about because when we review the roster move so far, uh, he won't show up. But Nick Moon is also going to the USL Championship. So the uh, one of the standouts from Lansing Ignite went to Indy 11 as well. So he's going to be hanging out with Connor Antley. And he went on a free, of course. Yeah, it's almost like the owner didn't know that if you, uh, you know, sell players, you can get money, and that can be something to help you with the money that you lost during the season. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, so, okay, so the schedule was released uh, after the league meetings in mid-December. Um, you know, Jason, any thoughts about uh, about the schedule? Yeah, there, there a couple things stood out. Um, so just, you know, looking at a couple teams, uh, one, I'm excited for that home opener, uh, you know, Richmond uh, in Madison. I think that's going to be the best home opener. Um, and but the one a um, couple things I'm looking at. So you have the New England Revs too, right? They start three games at home. And we'll come back to that because I have a question. Uh, you look at North Texas, they have a brutal August. They have six games in August, and then they have one of those three games in eight days situation. Mm. And that's going the month before, you know, playoffs are really determined. So that's a big, big month for them. And it's going to be important for them to be healthy and see what kind of depth they have. Um, also, Greenville on the road a whole month before ending the season at home. And so last year you saw Greenville had to go, you know, cross country to Tucson. I think they had a double game week for two of the last five weeks, something like that. Now they're finally, uh, you know, getting a little bit at just as at least playing at home for the season. But that month before, you know, for being on the road for a whole month, it's going to be another thing just like North Texas to where it's going to be a really big stretch for them. It's going to be important for them to stay healthy and have that depth that they can rotate. Fair enough. And you said you had a question, so I'm happy to do my yeah. best to answer one. So so let's talk about this. I brought it up on Twitter. So if you look at Madison last year, you see that they started on the road. And as a brand new team like the Revs, if you have a brand new team in a brand new league, you got guys that have never played before, would you rather start your season with three games on the road or three straight home games? Well, I guess I would prefer this three straight home games, but I think that there are certain advantages 
for um, for having the the three away games to start. I mean, particularly if I, I guess if you're talking about Union Omaha being on the road for the first three games, is that there, there's also probably some logistics issues, and they want to make sure they get the the stadium finished before. But that means that later in the season, you're likely to have a more condensed home schedule as well. And there's so there's definitely advantages to that, especially if you are in the hunt for a playoff spot or for a higher seed in the playoffs. So. Yeah. Um, you know, there's two ways to look at it. I, I guess I would prefer probably to be at home, especially with if I had a lot of players who have never played in a professional environment before. So, like, if South Georgia Tormenta, for example, you know, a team that was primarily, um, you know, half of their roster basically was was all guys who played in in uh, uh, in USL League Two, you know, need PDL, they, um, you know, they probably would benefit from being at home for a couple of games before having to travel. See, I I disagree. I think, well, not for the Tormenta thing, but for the brand new team, I disagree because when you have a brand new team, you go in the pre-season, you know, season, you have these guys signing in late, they don't have a lot of practice together, you're still trying to get through your tactics and how that works, you're still building that identity. Let those road games handle that, right? You go on the road, you deal with you know the tough travel, a tough environment, you get that over with, you kind of learn your tactics and everything. So this way, like you said, in that later half of the season, once you guys are cohesive, you got everything going, those are home points that you can win, right? It's much more easy to attain home points at the end of the season after you guys have been playing together than in the beginning where you're playing your literal first three games ever, right? I'd rather be on the road. If you can pick up a point or two, you know, and have a draw, that's great. But if you were to have three home games and let's say you drop five points from those or you drop, you know, even two or three, that's not good to, you know, I mean, the start. And then also that that doesn't help with their confidence knowing that, okay, we blew those home games. Now we got to go on the road. Um, I just think it's better for them to work out all the kinks in the beginning. You got your home games where you can catch up on those points and it's a lot easier to get those points then than it is as your first games ever you know, when you guys are pretty much playing your first professional teams as a starting formation. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, I can't, I, I can't really argue. I, I think there's benefits to both, but you know, I would, I guess I would rather have those home games later in the season if, if I had to, um, yeah. you know, ha- having choice, you've, you've convinced me, Jason. <laughs> so uh, uh, last thing I'll say about the schedule though, uh, Tormenta starting with North Texas and then Greenville. That, that they're yeah, that's killer. They're, they're taking yeah, they're they're gonna go ahead and I mean you look at it, you're you're facing, you know, the the champion and the runner up back to back for a second week, and then after that you're playing three two teams in a row. So I think like it's one of those things where we'll see how they come out the gate. Um, but, but but they win one of those games and they you know right, they end up with three points. I mean, so, I, I, you know that doesn't put them in a bad place. Exactly. Really. If, they, if you win one of those games and then you face you know two or three second teams, you, you can be looking at being a top two team you know by the end of April already. Right. So uh, I think that it's it's bad when you look at it. But if they can go to Greenville and get some points, or even if they can get two draws, I think they're in a good spot. I think one of the things is like we don't know what the the Revs two team is going to be like, right? New England Revolution two, you know. At might, least they have a name, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? I I mean, ultimately they might be a decent team. I mean, they have an academy. We we don't know how they're going to use it. You know, we don't. They they've not had a uh, a team in the championship before. 
before. So it's not like OCB where we know that, that, that you know, just up to now they really were were not particularly competent in putting together competitive teams, um, that they were using the platform mainly for development. Um, I think the Revs too will use it for development, but, you know, they, they might have learned from North Texas, right? Like, like we there's a template now for how teams can operate and still be really good. Now, you know, obviously North Texas has the FC Dallas Academy, which is, you know, arguably the best, if not one of the two or three best in the country uh, behind it. But nonetheless, they have, um, you know, th- there's a template there where other teams can emulate that if they so choose. And I, I mean, I hope more do because I'd like to see more competitive games um, and, and not have, uh, you know, not have as much, yeah. uh, you know, lopsidedness as we had in some of the matches last year. I agree, and I know you're a Red Bulls fan, but they're definitely the best academy in this country. You're not gonna not gonna have a argumentative. Might be. <laughs> well, I, I I think that these things certainly ebb and flow. I think they've been the most consistent, and I think the I, I think the Salt Lake Academy has a shout that now, right? True. You have to that you have true. to hundred percent give them. So I was putting kind of those three in the top tier, right? So okay. was, uh, so maybe Red Bulls has fallen to three after being one or two for a while, but um, I, I think those are the top three for sure. I mean, Red Bulls have made the playoffs. Red Bulls too have made the playoffs in the championship uh, like every year since in their existence. So oh, for sure, um, but. Yeah. I think I think what you're seeing from FC Dallas, I, I don't look at it just from a talent perspective. I look at it from a relationship perspective too, right? You got Tyler Adams over in Germany, but that's also you know helpful because of the relationship that Red Bulls have, of course, with the other teams. Uh, but you look at FC Dallas; they're sending guys everywhere. They have these relationships with these with FC with Bayern Munich, and then all these other German clubs are coming to watch North Texas players. Yep. trialing i mean that's incredible right yeah and, and, and i think a lot of these high level academies do too i mean i know for a fact that the red bulls and salt lake have both had uh, you know european scouts looking at, at their academy games um the other thing that since you brought it up i mean it was the other thing that happened in december where there were a number of fc dallas players that went over and trained in with byron munich and including ricardo pepe so you know the first ha- scorer of the first hat trick in usl league one he was over there um i you know encourage you to go to north texas's twitter feed and fc dallas's twitter feed and you can look at there's about a five or six minute video where they basically interview each other um and uh and and it's fun you know to watch these you know these kids playing with the u19s over at uh um over in Germany and it's uh, you know great experience for them they get to see you know how different that professional environment is from the US professional environment and uh, and you know Bayern Munich's you know the the creme de la creme when it comes to uh, when it comes to teams around I mean not so much this season but you know historically speaking they're they're one of the best and they have no problem playing the kids right so I think that's a huge factor you look at Alfonso Davies he came in in what in a year is a consistent mm-hmm. starter yeah. so yeah this that's is right. not just a oh this is a nice thing that we do because of the partnership no they're very interested in these kids and the other teams are too because they see the talent they see the pipeline uh, so yeah it's an exciting thing for that whole Dallas community yeah that's great so uh, a couple of things uh, wouldn't be a news a portion of our podcast if there wasn't at least one mention of forward madison uh so two, two quick things about forward madison firstly is that they'll be hosting fc augsburg uh of the bundesliga although they're near the relegation zone so maybe they'll be two bundesliga by the end of may when they're supposed to play them uh but nonetheless uh forward madison will be hosting a uh, a german prof- a high 
I, I guess you could say, you know, currently Bundesliga team uh, on May the 23rd. And also forward Madison's uh, kit, the one that my son got for Christmas, the uh, the pink one with um, uh, with the stripes. That was their their second kit that they wore in U.S. Open Cup games and, and some friendlies. It was voted by Sirius XM FC uh, to, as the best kit this year in world soccer. Yeah. Are we surprised, Jason? No, we're not surprised. It's a pretty dope kit. I mean, yeah, I it like is. it. It is. And speaking okay. of relationships, we got we to gotta see what Ford Madison's doing uh, with you know getting these Bundesliga teams over here. Second year in a row. They're getting a, another Bundesliga team. So they had Hertha Berlin last year. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it's great. I, I hope other teams are will be able to do that and, and do at least one friendly and either right at the end of one of their seasons or, you know, maybe in August during during preseason if they can swing an extra yeah. date. Um, that, I, I know Richmond does, really a, does a good job at that, too. Yeah. Speaking of Richmond, shall we turn to signings and start with the Richmond Kickers, who are beginning? We should to... because yeah, it's their fourth decade of operation. That's right. Uh, so crazy. Start... <laughs> it's, crazy. It's very interesting. Even though technically the fourth decade won't be till next year, but oh, that's again... right. Yeah, yeah, Ira, you can't agree to it because according to your statistics about decades or whatever, yeah. So anyway, uh, arithmetic is is strange. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> So they have a bunch of new signings. Um, so, you know, some some guys who I've only seen some some clips of here and there on YouTube. But one is uh, uh, Devante Dubois. Uh, he was most recently with the Oakland Roots of Nisa. I can now say that that's Nisa. That's uh, that's official. Uh, he did spend some si- time with the uh, OKC Energy and Phoenix Rising. Um, you know, thoughts on on Devante? I mean, I think he's an interesting, an interest. I, I don't know if he's necessarily an upgrade, but I think he's an interesting signing for sure. Yeah, I mean, you have a new coach coming in. You only brought back a couple players. You know, it's time to start trying some things. Um, from what everyone is saying out on the West Coast, they're extremely excited for him. Um, and so, you know, this is somebody who was ranked very high coming out of college at Virginia Tech. He was drafted in this MLS Super Draft. Uh, FC Tucson was very high on him when he played in their system. So uh, you had a lot of people when it was announced that he was going to Richmond extremely happy for him. So, uh, yeah, Richmond can use as many defenders as they need. And so, yeah, it's a it's a signing that, you know, like you said, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. So another new signing for them was 27-year-old left-sided Colombian midfielder David uh, Diosa. And so he also played at OKC Energy and then uh, spent time with the uh, Real Monarchs and formerly with the New York Cosmos a few years ago. Um, I, I did, didn't see as much tape on him. Uh, you know, any thoughts on, you know, this depth option in the midfield, if not a, if not going to come in as a starter because there's, you know, there, there are still a lot of midfielders on this side. Yeah, I mean, competition, right? If you have the opportunity to bring somebody in that's going to, you know, compete the level of competitiveness within the club in the offseason and then add something different to the team that they didn't have last year, why not? Um, it looks like, you know, especially when we talk about, you know, Dave uh, Devante, Devante likes going forward. David likes sending in uh, crosses and passes too. So I wonder if, you know, when you're looking at their new tactics for this year, if that's something that we should be looking forward to is a lot of uh, passing coming from the side into the center. 
So uh, the other thing that happened with Richmond is, uh, you, you know, maybe, uh, you know, these are West Coast guys, and I wonder how much, uh, you, you know, Sawatsky had seen these guys uh, having been out on the West Coast and, you know, working with, um, um, you know, working with, with the Cascadia t- uh, teams and then with uh, FC Tucson and how much he saw these guys play as part of um, his time out West. So obviously he, he knows these guys and, uh, you know, pre- presumably he may have even known uh, Devante from Phoenix Rising. I'm, I'm not sure if their time overlapped there or not, but um yeah, you know, but but clearly not going in blind, right? There was something that yep. um, that that Darren sees in them, and and that's um, why I think that's why I'm saying I think Darren has an idea of the type of style he wants to play, and so when he's looking at these players, they might be fitting that style. And then you have a bunch of players, so you actually have a, another eleven players who were holdovers from last year's team. Um, I, I don't know how much. Um, you know, how much input uh, Darren had because, you know, obviously there were some people here that are, aren't a big surprise. So Akira Fitzgerald, who is, you know, a linchpin in the back and, and goal for them, uh, I think was um, had a multi-year contract. Um, and Akwe uh, was, you know, he made, I don't remember if he made first team or second team of the year, but he was, yeah, I, I guess he was second team. Should have been first no, team. Well, there were no yes. center backs in the first team. Yeah, year, which is so. why he should have been first team. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Akwe was there. He was one of the better defenders. But then, um, uh, but, but, and then on the back line, you still have Connor uh, Shinovsky and, uh, and Scotty Thompson, as well as Ivan, whose name I'm not going to say anything about because I wanted to. New Year, new Ira. He's not going to butcher names. Uh, I didn't say that. I just said <laughs> I know I'm going to, so I'll try and be more self-aware. Um, you know, mid- midfielders: uh, Amas, uh, uh, Greg, uh, Boehm, uh, Matt Bolduc, uh, Riley Kraft, and uh, and and Mwapwe, uh, Again on the wing. You, you know, I, any of those you know, kind of nine or 10 that you think will, you know, see more playing time than, than some of the others. I mean, obviously yeah, besides Akwe, we know Akwe will, will. And that's what I'm saying. Like bringing in players for that competition in the preseason is good because when I look at this list, Akwe, Fitzgerald, Shinoski, and maybe Mwape and uh, Riley Kraft are like the only people I think that have a, you know, pretty much are solidified their roles. Everyone else is kind of up for grabs, right? You look at the four, they don't even have any Fords except for Boateng. Uh, so I think, and I think he's still on loan. So I don't know what the status of that loan is, but um, from what I understand, the, um, the league that he plays in still is not operating. So my, my guess is the loan will continue until that team is back out on the field at least. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and according to the USL site, which is always dependable and never wrong, uh, he is, on the current roster so right. he, uh, he should be on, on there but uh yeah i think i think this is a free-for-all um i think you're gonna be seeing a lot of signings in in the month of january and february from them and i think this is one of those things to where no one really has a solidified spot except for three or four players and you you, you might see a team with nine different or you know eight different starters from last year so one of the things that had often happened when uh, you had the MLS draft at the United Soccer Coaches Convention was that the, the draft would occur and then undrafted players would wind up on, on USL championship teams and presumably some of them might have migrated to USL League One. Because this year there's not a draft, the, the draft is going to be a phone call. It's not going to be in person. Um, you know, there's you're like I agree, you're likely to see after that conference call occurs who's 
date escapes me at the moment. But uh, once once they have that conference call for the the college draft, I would imagine you'd wind up with you know probably twenty players, right? Twenty or thirty players that are going to sign almost immediately with either a championship or league one team. And the kickers being, um, you know, the team that they are, the fact that they have um, the the fact that they're you know pretty close to Virginia, right? Which is obviously you know, you know the uh, one of the teams in the in the college cup this year. And Georgetown isn't that far away either. You know, you can have some players from those you know championship teams that end up uh, maybe on on the kickers, especially if they don't want to go too far away from where they uh, where, where they went to school. Yeah, and I mean so. the point of this league is to to draft and find talent that wasn't picked up by championship or MLS, right? So this is their opportunity. This is their times is where you have these trials is where you find these players like Nick Moon, who came to a tryout, made the team now is jumping up to USL championship. will probably jump up to MLS. And this is, this is how this system works. This is the great opportunity. So yeah, you might as well, if you're coming in with the new coach, a uh, turnover of a heavy roster, bring in as many guys as you can and have a, have a competition. Great. So, do you want to, Jason, go review the Chattanooga Red Wolves roster yes. so far that we know about? Complete opposite of Richmond. I feel like they brought all their solidified starters back. And so, you, you will be seeing a very familiar team uh, this year as last year. Obviously, they've kept the best goalkeeper in the league. And Alex Mangles, go ahead and fight me all you want. He's the best keeper in the league. Uh, they brought back uh, uh, Fola in the back with Jaime's. You might see. Uh, some different you know, shakeup in the back with my interview with their new head coach. He said that that's kind of what he considered the weak weak point from last year. So uh, center backs, look out. You're going to have some competition. And then you've got Uafi, which is probably, I think, their most important signing, getting him back. Um, obviously, Stephen Beattie, getting him back is huge as well. But I think Uafi is the, is the spine that kind of keeps that team together, especially when they go up 1-0 and start defending. Uh, Connor Doyle's back, Pineda's back, Soto's back, and then up top you've got Hurst and Zaid. Um, and like I said, Hurst, he came in late in the season, but when he came in, he was a game changer, and getting a full season with him is going to be huge. So I, I think that might be the difference between them just missing out of the playoffs and getting in this year. He came on and was pretty much that piece that they were missing. So uh, great job for them getting that core back, uh, especially Lafe. He, I think, is a super important sign. Well, we'll talk about this on another show, but I think that this is, even at this, without having seen, you know all of the other other teams i think this is probably a, a top half team which of course means that in 2020 it's a playoff team um yeah. you know like you said with the back there i think he he's one of the two key signings in on this team besides mangles i i think you can make the argument that hearst is important too you know stephen Beatty obviously was was one of the keys to their offense last year and and he generated a lot of that offense and a lot of the chances that they had created but i'm not sure that they can rely on him i mean just because of the, the age and you know we know he got an injury for a, a little while last year as well oh, yeah so i don't think you can rely on him for for that offense so it's really making sure that you lock down the defense and you don't give up a lot of goals you need, you need to you know think about how greenville got into the playoffs and got as far as they did they did it on defense so you know defense can win championships even though it's not necessarily um you know very pretty so if they can you know have hearst score you know 
a, not even a goal a game, but maybe, you know, 0.7 goals a game. And, um, you know, Mangles and Ualfe can, you know, lock things down in the back. I think Chattanooga probably makes the playoffs this year. I don't know how far they go in the playoffs, but, um, but I, you know, I think they can easily, even just with this roster, um, and, you know, obviously some depth uh, that, that'll come in later, um, is probably a, a, you know, a four, four or five seed in the, uh, in the league. Yeah, and uh, one player, though, that uh, we didn't bring up of making the um, jump to USL Championship, uh, you know, they're going to have a big missing piece. He's, you know, supplied a lot from both the defensive and offensive uh, attack, you know, overlapping and moving forward. Yeah, and so one player that they didn't resign that's going to be a big missing piece, both from a defensive and offensive side, is Zaguro. You know, probably the best crossing defender in the league, uh, made the jump the USL championship, which we didn't talk about earlier with FC Tulsa, another League One player going to championship. You know, he provided a lot of the offense when BD went down, including seven assists and a goal, for, and that was as a defender. Uh, so I think you're right. Even though looking at this roster, it is very strong, and it does look like a playoff contending roster, they're going to need to bring in somebody that can help create some offense and create some big chances. Great. Well, moving on to the Greenville Triumph. So Coach John Harks has brought in former FC Tucson midfielder Colin Stripling. Uh, he's the second newcomer to the squad uh, because one of the other newcomers was another person they got on a free. Lansing Ignites captain Brandon Fricky. Yeah, you know, you, on, you lose Pulitz and you bring in Fricky. Not too bad. Yeah, exactly. You know, when so so it was interesting. So the Fricky announcement came before the Pulitz announcement. So I was like, mm-hmm. what are they going to do? I was like, someone's got to be going because there's no way you're going to, ha- you know, yeah. it doesn't seem like John Harks wants to play three in the back. <laughs> so yeah, I was yeah. like, one of these guys has to has to be going. And, and obviously, I, Pulitz did. I asked Hartford if, if the rumors were true. They were giving Pulitz when I saw that and they said no and then announced a day or two later that they got him so, <laughs> so right uh, yeah yeah, yeah it made, made perfect sense when we saw that so uh, a few other signings include englishman max hemmings omar muhammad who uh, you know we talked very highly of on this show he, he generated a fair bit of offense even though um you know didn't get on the score sheet a whole lot uh new jersey and christopher bermudez uh you know super super nice kid um and uh obviously generated basically all of their offense in the uh in in the usl final last year so usl league one final last year uh former tormenta two player jj donnelly is back along with tacking midfielder carlos gomez outside back cole seiler Left back Tyler Polo. I mean, why change something that worked, nah, right? They brought but, everybody back. Yeah, they brought pretty much everyone back. This Dallas is, J is back. Jake yeah. Keegan, who was injured for the last month of the season last year. They're uh, back in the playoffs. He's, he's on a two-year, yeah. It's not even arguable. They're, they're right back. And I think the one thing that they'll be focused on this offseason, at least what they should be, is just depth, right? So when Jake Keegan goes down, if he goes down, they, don't have, they have someone that can fill in and they don't have to depend on – someone like Carlos Gomez to go and, you know, supply all these goals. That was the one thing I think that they struggled with. Could, uh, they, use another, the could they use another creative player? Because one of the things that we, you know, last season always talked about with the triumph was their lack of goal scoring. You know, obviously the best defense in the league, they had, you know, tied for the most clean sheets, least goals against, you know, that, that all of that was very true. But See, the question I, is, I don't think so. I think, 
Christopher Bermudez, Omar Muhammad, and Carlos Gomez do enough, it's the finishing, right? Mm-hmm. I think what happened was they didn't really know. They were sending in all those crosses, realized, okay, this isn't working, changed the tactics up, and then when it did start working, that's when Keegan got hurt. So then they weren't really able to to actually complete those t- tactics that they changed to. So now that you have a new season, you've had time for Keegan to re- cover i think now they understand what they're going for they just need to make sure that they have the depth to cover those positions in case someone goes down yeah that's what i think i I think i think that's fair and if if they you know obviously it was a new team right so they were guys getting together so they were one of the teams obviously that was very inconsistent early in the season and became more consistent as the chemistry grew uh within within the squad right so um yeah yeah i I don't i I agree with you and i think that you know jay keegan will probably get get the shout i mean he uh he did play very well in the summer until the injury so um you know even though he had missed the whole (laughs) i agree you know he his finishing early in the season was atrocious but it certainly got better as the season yeah. progressed i mean they 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 realized what they were doing weren't working it took five thousand crosses for them to realize it but once they did <laughs> they changed it up and they instantly shot up right this was right. a team that early in the season we were questioning if they were going to make the playoffs to then locking themselves in all the way up into the championship so yeah, yeah they got I, a little narrower played a little bit no, more north south instead of yeah. instead of east west right and, yeah Yep, and and getting Pollock back is huge. I think they're they're right. I mean, they're easily in the playoffs. They're right back competing for for a championship because the difference is the champions lost a lot of their team. The runners up brought everybody back. Yeah. Uh, so you want to review Tormenta? Yeah. So first and foremost. Tormenta has done a great job. They needed a consistent striker, so what do they do? They went and get former Lansing Pato Belafaz. Unbelievable signing. My favorite of the offseason so far. Instantly, in my opinion, going to be a golden boot contender. I think that's exactly what they needed to do. Wow, that's a spicy take early early in the year. The first spicy take of 2020, ladies and gentlemen. What is the one thing that Tormenta did not have consistently last year throughout the whole year, right? We can talk about injuries and everything and how, you know, they they plummeted. When Connor Antley is your second leading goal scorer. Right, exactly. They did not have a consistent goal scorer. They have, you know, Coutinho, Micheletto, they have the guys that can supply it. Pato is great in the air. He's great at running, you know, making those runs, making the hard runs into the box. Probably one of the best in the league of making those delayed hard runs, right, to where you have your defenders overlap and then kind of having him chill out 10 yards past midfield and then just hitting that run so he can come in for a header or come in for a volley. I'm, I'm telling you, double-digit goals. Put put it down. I don't, I don't care who you are. If we, you want to put money down on it, I've been losing money all month. I don't care anymore. Let's do it. He's getting double-digit goals this season. Simple as that. I love it. I love the spicy take. So, um, <laughs> do, so do you want to? Why don't you go through yeah, a couple yeah. of the new signings and and then we can talk about the guy. They brought back a lot of guys too, but they did. So, they so maybe maybe let's focus did. on the new guys. Yeah. So uh, bringing in Abuchi Abinwa, 
He, uh, former Columbus Crew, Pittsburgh Riverhounds player, really liked this signing. He's coming back from the Portuguese league right now. He's a defensive midfielder. So one of the things that I think Tormenta struggled with in that second half was not being able to stop attacks, especially counterattacks. This is somebody that I think helps uh, when you look at uh, Vinales, who is more of a box-to-box guy. This is going to allow for him to go forward, uh, knowing that he has the help uh, if someone's on the field with him that can hold that down so i like that signing and then also tormenta obviously bringing up a tormenta two player but not just any tormenta two player luca mayer who absolutely dominated league two the austrian uh i think that this is something that tormenta not afraid to do he'll compete to be on the field you know and this is something that Everybody in South Georgia, everyone in this league should be excited about to see the pipeline that Tormenta has and are able to take guys that have been doing well in their academy or their League Two team and then being brought up and having a chance to perform well and then go on to bigger and better things. Um, Yeah, so Tormenta in just like Greenville and just like Chattanooga, bringing a lot of guys back, uh, Hara, Ricardo Gomez, uh, Ekin Road, you know, I think the big question that they're going to have to fill is uh, what are they going to do without Connor Antley? Who fills that void? Yeah, the, they need a right back. Um, you know, it's interesting. So Marco Micheletto is going to be on here. I, I'm trying to figure out, based on the players they have, what type of formation, you know, kind of style that they're thinking about right now. Because they, again, you know, they have, with guys like, the fact that they have Ricardo Gomez, they have Mickey Rowe, they have or Mikey Rowe. I always go. I don't know why I call him <laughs> Mickey, but Mikey Rowe. Um, you know, they have uh, Coutinho. Um, they have Micheletto, who I don't know. I you know you, I think think of him more as a ten. Uh, you know, so yeah. I mean, yeah, it's almost like they have three. You know, if they put uh, so I guess if they put you know one of their new signings. Uh, as a six, they could play a four three three, and you know push up Rowe and uh, um, and maybe Gomez or or uh, you know. But yeah, so so they need a right back if they're going to play a four three three. But otherwise, you can create an interesting team out of out of these players. I mean, a couple of guys might play in slightly different positions than they did last year, but they were all solid on the field uh, when they weren't injured. I mean, that was Tormenta's problem last season, if if you recall. Was uh, was how many injuries they received? You know, not yeah, not only yeah. Coutinho's that was so bad, but you know there were a few others here and there that you know they were always rotating their lineup. Which brings up a great point because I got a little bit of a, a scoop for you. Well, I don't know if it's going to be a scoop because the announcement's going to come out tomorrow. I think this podcast is going to be released probably Friday, so everyone's going to hear it by then. Uh, but I can tell you right now, working on that depth situation, uh, Tormenta is bringing in. Uh, former Richmond player Daniel Action Jackson. Daniel Jackson, the play up top, he's going to be a, a, he will a be the, number he nine. Will, yep, he will be that depth player for in the striker position. So now they're going from uh, no strikers to two in the off season. So um, yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head talking about you know what to do when you do have those injuries. I think they've learned their lessons and uh, they're definitely going to rev up on the debt players. 
forward Madison. So, um, you know, again, brought back a who's who of the roster that made the playoffs in the inaugural uh, year of the league. Uh, Christian Diaz, Eric Leonard, my 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 man. I, I love Eric, me and Eric Leonard playing as a number six. <laughs> uh, Brian Silvestre in goal, who, uh, you know, made a couple of very acrobatic and, and uh, you know, game-winning saves for them. J.C. Banks, Don Smart, Paolo Jr., uh, Hiro Toyama, uh, as well as, of course, the Pink Flamingo. Um, is was re-signed apparently, um, and they did get um, and a cow. Don't please don't forget about the uh, line. Well, well you know, so I think he was already on contract. I don't think they had to re-sign him. Uh, I, um, okay. So so they did sign FC Tucson's uh, Jamil Cox and uh, and uh, um, as well Brandon Eaton re-signed. Uh, also, he's a 25 year old midfielder and former Richmond kicker. Um, so, you know, basically the core of this team is, is back, uh, and then with, with Jameel Cox, basically. So any, any thoughts here, Jason, about forward Madison's roster so far? Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting that they brought in Jameel Cox. I think, you know, Jameel Cox is a great player, but that does make me question, uh, what they plan on, uh, if they plan on bringing back Josio Nunez or if he's getting interest from other teams right maybe i'm just over thinking about this or overlooking it but that does feel like a signing you bring in uh same kind of style of player i think uh maybe that's a hint that Josio might might be coming back that's that's an interesting uh interesting observation for sure and then um, the other thing is i don't see any center backs so yeah that's <laughs> the next thing i was going to bring up is what does the back line look like so it, it could be that they're that some uh, that they're hoping to get some players maybe or they know they're going to get some players perhaps from their relationship with uh, uh with minnesota united i mean that's that's potentially if they're maybe they'll get a season-long loan for example mm-hmm. for a center back i mean they had a couple of season-long loans last year that worked out pretty well for them um so perhaps that's part of it and obviously like we said um you know we do have another month before uh, the preseason starts so there's still a lot of time left to uh, pick up and, and also college is a good place to get a lot of center backs too you know there's a lot of really athletic center backs maybe they don't play the ball with their feet as well as guys who you know have more experience but um, but just from a pure defensive standpoint um, there are some options that they might be able to to find um, to find out there from a college game yeah, I, I think that that's good for debt, but I'd be afraid to to get a college CB or, you know, and, and put him in as a starter and go, OK, you're in the big leagues now. Time to shine and going up against, you know, some of these players who have that experience and some of these attacking players who have played in USL championship and MLS. But I know got one, one got, got one name for you, Josh Phelps. Well, jo- no, Josh is a uh, resign, but yeah, you're right. Oh, no, I no, see no, what no. you're saying. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was a tormented well, two player. Just, the he's year just before. a be- yeah, he's <laughs> just a beast. <laughs> but I right. will say a, a defender they should be looking at a familiar name is Carter Manley. I don't think he was picked up in the expansion draft or the redraft in MLS. I think he's out of contract with Minnesota. They didn't resign him. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe hop on the phone and give him a text and say, hey, boo, what are you up to? So, so here's another one going back to Alancia Ignite. Do we know what happened to Grant Stoneman? Did he sign him? <laughs> I think I know everything going on in lansing except for grant stoneman <laughs> okay because he's he, another he, he's another interesting option you he, know for someone like madison to definitely pick up. is he definitely is so uh, that is that would be a great get if they can't get him yeah i mean his one-on-one defending was one of the best in the league last year for sure yep, so absolutely 
Yeah. Uh, North Texas. Um, you, you know, interesting, uh, it's surprisingly high number of re-signees in North Texas. And, um, you know, I'm going to – one super surprising one, obviously, Arturo Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Signed it's not a USL last. contract. He signed a USL contract. Do you think that he's here because he's going to get loaned somewhere else? Yes. I don't. Like, I don't. I just don't see him playing this whole year in this league. I don't. I just. It's. I. I like I said, maybe. Like maybe he starts and, and like you said, maybe he gets loaned. I don't see him playing this full season. There's just no way. Yeah, there's I mean, no the, way. The pro- he's too the problem, good. There's yeah, no the, way. The problem with with yeah, the problem with being in the North Texas system is they're very very good at generating homegrowns who play in the midfield, right? So, um, you, you know, it, it would not surprise me at all if he gets the USL contract and then eventually gets some kind of MLS contract and um, and then ends up uh, ends up up there, particularly you know during the Olympics period, for example, during in in the middle of the year, because guys like Pax and Pomichol and Brandon Cervania, um, you know, they're going to wind up probably going to the Olympics. So if that's the case, then, you know, there, the, Dallas will need at least some depth options that's to, a really good to point. be moved up. So, um, so, so it surprises, surprised me a little bit that he didn't get an MLS contract and loaned back down to North Texas. So the fact that he re-signed on a USL contract is what surprised me. Not so much that he's going to play with North Texas. It's more that, you know, where, uh, uh, what kind of deal he got. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe yeah, I like that point with the Olympics. Maybe it's also an FC Dallas roster thing, right? Maybe that they have the vision that they see they're going to be using other roster spots, and instead of using one for Arturo, they said, look, let's just get the USL. If we need to bring them up on loan, we can do that. But we need to, for the time being, the beginning of the season, we kind of have all the roster spots that we need. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know how loan ups work from from USL. I, I know how it works the other way. That that's interesting. Something for me to research. Uh, so also Ronaldo Damas, right, the Golden Boot winner for uh, for the the inaugural season. Breck Evans, the stalwart center back uh, and captain. Oscar Romero, Carlos Avila, uh, Carlos Avales, who you know basically until the last three games of the of the season was what uh, was their starting goalie. Um, <laughs> Uh, Algamar and David Ro- David Rodriguez, who's Arturo's brother, uh, those guys all are on USL contracts with North Texas. And another Lansing Ignite attacker ends up on a League One team. Alex Bruce goes to North Texas. So just if if North Texas's attack wasn't potent enough, they go out and get Alex Bruce. Jason, y'all thought y'all were safe. Y'all thought Pepe moved on and is like, okay, now we only got to deal with one attacker in North Texas. Nope, nope, it's not that easy. Well, what's interesting about this now? Now, granted, David Rodriguez is only going to be seventeen this year, so it's not that big of a deal. But if you put Arturo on the left, Ronaldo on the right, Alex Bruce in the middle, um, you know, you you kind of, I guess, you need a need a number ten. Is that what kind of? So far, what what they would need here on this side uh, it seems seems that way. I mean, Arturo could probably play. I was going to say if they but, wanted Arturo to play there, he could. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a, that was probably my most surprise signing so far. Um, heard Alex Bruce was going to another USL League One team. I would have never guessed North Texas, um, but he's got experience. He's someone that can pick up the pace uh, if you know Ronaldo Damas goes down or you know he goes away. Um, cause he's getting looked at from the Haitian national team. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's a good signing. Like you said, North Texas, more firepower. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and and we know that they're going to get guys coming down from uh, from FC Dallas, right? So right. Colin Montgomery will probably be back for part of the season. You might even see, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if you'll see Brandon Savania because of all the international duty you'll likely have, but um, yeah, you know. But there'll be definitely guys coming down from from uh, from the the senior team as well. What um, w- were you surprised? Like I was a little bit surprised that Richard Danso and Jada were not brought back and were yes. not also called up. So did, how much did that surprise you, Jason? The the Donzo one is actually more surprising to me than Jada, just because Jada I can get if there's some kind of visa international spot issue, right? Maybe that they need those international spots open because they have somebody else coming in in mind, or maybe there was some visa issues and it was too much. Maybe he has other teams bidding um, for a higher price. And I don't know, but Donzo, I just feel like, is the type of player that they want, right? That's the type of player that is developing. It's the type of player that has that raw talent that works in that system. And so when he was a sub, when he was a sub, he was a super sub. He would come in and immediately impact the games and even did that in the playoffs. So, yeah, that was more surprising to me than Jada just because I don't know why you wouldn't want to have Donzo on your team. Yeah, uh, so I, I agree. Jada also had some questionable, um, you know, attitude problems. It seems I, on occasion well, on the I, field. It's also I don't think they knew. I don't think they have the system to where they're going to get their best out of him, right? Yeah, like they moved be. him back yeah. to center back halfway through the season. He was fine there, but you know, Jada should be playing as a box to box midfielder, right? And mm-hmm. I think because of their playing style, because of the young, fast passing, fast paced team that they have. With him, he's more of a slower coming up, developing from long passes or developing through through balls. I think he's just not the best fit for that system, and that could have played a part to him not being resigned as well. Fair enough. So there were no updates that I saw on either FC Tucson, although I think there might have been something very recently. Um, but I see uh, that they keep giving away all their players yeah exactly <laughs> that's about it <laughs> yeah. uh toronto fc2 orlando city b new england revolution 2 and i guess for now we'll call it inter miami 2 um have you seen bird box what's the what? movie on netflix uh <laughs> oh ira i gotta, oh, I gotta oh. get you some some alone time from your family <laughs> we, there, there's I, more I, movies i know, I know on the bird i know the bird, kids ca- bird cage is that the one with robin I, williams and there's there's more place in miami but okay bird box sandra bullock she has a boy and a girl doesn't name them literally just calls them boy and girl so i'm just going to call this team team (laughs) not that's it so i'm just the miami team i'm not even going to say miami i'm just going to say team because i don't know miami's going to be incorporating their name i don't know what's going on they are team so we've got Tucson, who has no roster updates, but got a new head coach. Toronto FC2, no updates. Orlando City B, New England, no updates. And team, no updates. Fair enough. So any any of these rosters, I, I'm going to go off script a little bit here, and I'm just going to ask you, like, which, if any of these rosters, Jason, do you think has improved the most? Is there one? It, it, I don't think there's one just because there's not enough right like ford 
has like six players. Richmond, you know, they brought back some guys, but their whole starting lineup's a question. Chattanooga just pretty much brought everyone back. Greenville just brought anyone back. So if you had to say who improved, it would probably have to be Tormenta just because they got the proven striker in Pato and they got a defensive midfielder. And those were two things that uh, they were really lacking last year. Yeah, I concur. I think I think Tormenta so far has kind of done what they needed to do to, you know, just just solidify the the idea that they can get into the, you know, trying to make a playoff contending team and uh, and and assuming assuming everyone stays healthy, I think that that's probably going to be the case. Uh, I don't see any reason why. And um, you know, outside of the one that we already kind of mentioned with um, uh, uh, with Alex Bruce going to North Texas, any other you know surprises that you saw with with the the signing so far in the rosters? Yeah. Just no, no Danzo, and I'm shocked no one's picked him up yet. Simple yeah. as that. I don't know what teams are doing. I don't know. I'm hoping Omaha or somebody has already, you know, solidified that, and they're just waiting to do their roster announcements. But uh, if he's not signed by, you know, when we open the season in March, I'm going to be severely shocked. It could be that some of these players, particularly, you know, players like Danso, who have the relationship with FC Dallas, it could be that he's in Europe trying out for some teams. I mean, it's that not, that, that's not out I mean, of the question. If we want to put on our real tinfoil hats, maybe part of the reason why Arturo Rodriguez signed the USL contract is because he they think that he might be getting looked at by European teams or Mexican teams as well. And then that money goes directly to USL teams as opposed to going to their MLS side, which would then maybe funnel not as much money to the USL team. Just throwing that out there. That's that's my that's my little tin tinfoil hat theory. I'm not sure that that matters so much. I think the Hunts have enough money that they can put whatever money into either team <laughs> that they want to. Um, you know, the other thing that we should say, too, so one of the things that I, I talked to someone down in Dallas not so long ago, and uh, North Texas will be playing in Arlington, which is actually, um, you know, a bit south of Frisco in between Fort Worth and Dallas itself. And uh, that stadium renovation is going very well. They think that they will be on time at the moment. Um, also spoke to Matt Homan, uh, um God, Matt, I'm really sorry. I'm mispronouncing your name already. Um, you were doing so. We were 40 minutes into 2020. You were doing so well. God, I really was. Yeah, but anyway, talking to Matt Hahnemann, um, uh, the president and general, or general manager of uh, Union Omaha, and they have their um, uh, they have their retractable pitcher's mound already done. They're working on the outfield, and that seems to be um, that seems to be going well. And they'll be ready for their home opener in April. Um, so, you know, very exciting stuff going on. So it, it'll be, it'll be nice to see, you know, I, I really look forward to seeing Union Omaha's pitch because, um, it, you'll basically, the field will be a long, um, I don't remember if it's the first base or the third base, but it'll be basically along one of the lines. So when you sit on that side of the of the stadium, you'll be looking at the soccer field the proper way. It won't be like going to you know Yankee Stadium or whatever and looking at it on a on a weird angle. Um, right. So that that'll be uh, uh, so, so that'll be nice to see. It's really be interesting to see um, see that that pitch. Uh, we got a couple of listener questions. So, firstly, I'm going to ask the first one to you, Jason. It's from okay. Section O resident. That's at RVA is red. Gift each team with a currently unsigned player from 2019, and uh, assume if they haven't been announced yet, uh, they're not. They're not likely coming back. So we talked about 
uh, playmakers, and we talked about the lack of forward for Richmond. So I think the two big things Richmond needs to focus on are the striker position and central defensive midfield. Uh, if they have not been contacting Ivo Serta for the past two months, every single day, they're not doing their job. Um, they need to lock him down. But a name that I think has that wasn't signed again that I haven't we haven't really talked about that would be interesting up top for them is Alex Morell. And I think Alex Morell, because he's one of those just nonstop, hardworking players, can play different positions, kind of just a creator, right, as well as a finisher, I think that's somebody who can excel for them. That's somebody who can provide the, you know, the spark that they didn't have last year and the spark that's being left out by uh, Joe Gallardo. Um, so that's that's one. Let's let's see another team. Uh, so hold on, so let me go. You you did one. I'm oh, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna do at least okay. at least one. Go now on. here's here's the thing. We don't know for sure that some of these guys are not gonna no. be coming back, right? But I I think that um well, I, that I Greenville could use Devin Jamga. Because, okay. you know, one of the things with yeah, Omar Muhammad is good and, and I, I like Bermudez, but I think they could use a, a pacey option, um, you know, if nothing else to come in in the 30th minute and just tear apart defenses with pace. And so Devin Jamga to Greenville Triumph would be my gift. Okay. Um, one, let's, let's go to a team, you know, we were talking about Chattanooga. They really want to, you know, ramp up their center back and kind of that back line and defense overall. One of the Lansing names that we haven't talked about and that I haven't heard too, too much about is Kevin Coifick. Yeah. What's going on with Kevin? I think Kevin would be a great fit in Chattanooga and somebody that you put him there and that's easily what eight to 10 point swing alone just based off of his passing and consistency in the back that they didn't have last year, I think he'd be a great fit in Chattanooga. Well, eight points and they made made the playoffs, right? Because they, uh, they, yeah. they only needed like three. <laughs> so, yep. yeah. yeah, so. Fair enough. All right. Um, you got I, another one I, you want me to go again? I don't. If you have another one, go go ahead. Uh, so looking at, um, let's look at some of the new teams, whether it's Omaha, New England Revolution. I know international spots are a little bit of uh, uh you know a commodity hard to get to but listen somebody needs to sign tiago souza i orlando city b didn't have much of anything last year they had him and i haven't heard of him making any jump to usl championship um i don't know you know what's going on orlando city b did not bring him back they are going through a whole new restructure to where they're going to have you know six or seven international players come over based off of the relationships they have uh, with Brazilian and other teams. So I think Omaha, New England Revs, somebody you know, Inter Miami or I'm sorry, team, uh, somebody can benefit from having Tiago Souza, just an explosive player that can do it on both sides of the ball. Uh, I think he's a good get. Um, yeah, so definitely him. And then uh, Greenville, you I, you talk about creativity or you talk about somebody that can bring in spark i'm talking about depth there's your danzo signing right there mm. have you have omar you have muhammad well, quite frankly danzo could go to any team and be, he'd he be could. a depth signing right he so. could but i mean he could start for a couple of teams too right but imagine muhammad and christopher going all you know 70 minutes back and forth running your team tired and then you got to deal with danzo coming in they just it would it would ultimately take him to a, a new level um so I, I like him going to greenville excellent 
Okay, well, let's move on to the next one. Uh, I think it's your turn to ask a question. Yeah, so Luke Operman asked, who do you think are the next promising independent expansion sides for 2021? Ooh, uh, so how much how much are we allowed to reveal here, Jason? Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, I think the Midwest and the West Coast are going to be a little bit more uh, the focus, and um, you know, at least at, uh, not necessarily not necessarily initially. I think that there's likely to be uh, additional East Coast teams. Um, but I do think that, you know, looking at California and, you know, looking at, at you know, maybe some some teams not too, too far away from Madison and, and Omaha might be uh, might be some interesting places to look on on your map. Um, the, uh, the the nice part about uh, about this is that, you know, we're going to wind up getting, you know, j- just because you have to think about ticket sales and you have to think about, um about how you're going to not make some of the Lansing mistakes. And I think that that's something that, you know, was talked about and discussed at the USL league meeting for sure. The, the USL now has a whole track at their league meetings uh, for just people who are interested in expansion. So you can go there, find out what it's like to, to do a team, what types of things that you have to do to be in the league, but also best practices on how to, um, you know, how to develop that team and make sure that you do things right. So one of those things is to make sure that you're, um, you know, selling corporate sponsorships and stuff, for example, you know, a year, you know, not necessarily a year, but six or eight months before you start playing. So I think that by May or June, we'll probably hear of at least one, maybe maybe two more teams. Um, and uh, what, what I'm what I've been told is that we could get as many as three independent teams in um, uh, in the coming year um, mm. that that is that is very possible and one of the things that that means is that you'll probably get those as well as you know probably a couple of mls2 teams coming down from um from the championship as well so you you wind up keeping this balance of at least 50 percent independent teams and mls2 teams so um so i think that that'll be an interesting uh interesting thing to look at so and and not all of these teams necessarily by the way one team in particular might be coming in and actually will be owned by a european club potentially mm-hmm. i think a west coast team right yeah that's exactly right yeah so and i, I do think that you know, like you said so iris got the scoop on who's coming in 2021 if you want to look further a couple teams that i think uh won't be ready next year but we can see in the possible upcoming years you look at places like lexington i think lexington uh they've already proposed for a soccer specific stadium uh, they would be a good USL League One expansion in Boise, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't. You look at the map right now of USL and MLS and in America, and there's a huge gap in that area. And it's like I, it's like where are you gonna go? You're gonna go Boise, Cheyenne. Like, there's right. not that many places really to go. And yeah. Boise has the proven track record of fans. Uh, demand is there. Uh, I think Des Moines is gonna. Uh, come in but make the jump straight to usl championship so because of that uh, i think boise is one to watch for that's an interesting shout uh you know the, the the big thing with by the way most of these teams it's more finding ownership groups so you know if you start a grassroots effort one of the things that you need to do is you know help uh attract a uh, an owner and ownership group to come in um you know the other thing Thing to think about when we talk about promising independent teams, Jason, is we know now Penn FC seems to be off the board. So Harrisburg, mm-hmm. which 
quite frankly, is a perfect, I think, League One kind of market. But, um, you know, again, needs an owner, needs a stadium, um, but also Rochester. So Rochester is still a playing piece on the board. And uh, they did send representatives, we know, to the league meetings. So they're still operating with the assumption that at some point they're coming back to the league. So, um, you know, Jason, any any thoughts on Rochester coming back in 2021? You can't be a homeowner without a home. Simple as that. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that, that's ultimately what it comes down to, right? So, so with League One, um, remember it's you know different than USL League Two, where you can use a college stadium with football lines and stuff like that. You know, the the goal is you need to have a soccer-specific stadium that you can use regularly, and and um, you know, or at least um, at least be able to work toward that within a realistic timeline. So, uh, you know, that's Rochester's issue right now is, is stadia. Uh, so last question, David, uh, Valentine asks, do you see the league expanding as aggressively as USL championship or major league soccer in the next two years? Um, yes. Uh, and is the rumor of pro rel between league one and league two credible? Um, I never heard that one. That would yeah. be possible, but in, I think the, he, mean, he, he put, yeah, he put L one and L two. So maybe he meant championship yeah, in league one. Let, let's assume that because you can't league league two teams can't pr- self promote. It can't have pro rel with league one. They just can't, right. their seasons don't overlap. Um, but let's, let's assume it's championship in league one. So, um, Jason, uh, let's do the first one first. So do you think that League One will expand as aggressively as championship? Let me let, let me let me break this into an example. You have the love of your life and your anniversary dinner, but she is consistently not sure what she wants to eat, right? So then what do you do? You prepare yourself. You set a reservation at a sushi restaurant, but then you also set a reservation at an Italian restaurant. So then when the day comes, you're prepared. Even if you do decide, okay, sushi's the way to go, you still have the Italian as backup just in case and you can cancel it, right? And I think that's what USL is doing. I think what they're doing right now, you see how aggressive they are getting championship teams in there. Some that I don't even think need to go to championship would be more beneficial in USL League One, like Nantucket. Um, I think their goal is, look, we are going to get as many independent championship teams as possible because then we don't have to have this back and forth with MLS about what we're doing with their two teams, right? Because if you get enough independent teams and championship and you have, you know, let's say 50 teams, 60 teams between championship and league one that are independent, you don't have to have this whole conversation about all two sides need to be in league one or two sides can split. You can go, look, we have our independent teams. We're not going to bother with that. So I think that's, in my opinion, what they're doing. I don't think it's necessarily their plan saying this is what we're doing, but they're preparing themselves, right? They're, they they want to only depend on what they want to do and not what MLS wants them to do with MLS two teams. And so this is the best way to go about it. Yeah, I think so too. And and it's obviously easier to have, like like if we wind up with, with League One having only MLS two teams in a pro rel uh, situation, so be it, right? Like that's that's because they, you know, they they didn't have good players, and all of the independent teams ended up in the championship, right? What is what is MLS going to say if if yeah, USL exactly. says, look, we have we have fifty independent teams now. 
uh, between League One and League well, you'd have eighty teams, right? So, so let's say that there's thirty, there's thirty well, MLS two teams, and right. there's and there's fifty independent teams. So you right. have two leagues, each with with forty teams, and you have pro rel. And yeah, and there's just like, or but even that they say like, you know, you can you can be down and do this pro rel with us, or you can go off and do your own league. And we already saw how that turned out for y'all for your reserve sides. So go ahead and make your decision. But we've already got what we need, and this is what we're doing. Yeah, and I suspect that something like that is likely to happen. And you know, will it be in the next you know two or three years? It could be in three years, and so that wouldn't completely surprise me because you could certainly do it. You know, when you have say say you have twenty odd teams or twenty five teams, you just do some kind of realignment, right? And you just say, okay, next year the bottom you know five teams in the cha- in each um, division of the championship are going to move down. And uh, you know, and 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 equal out the uh, the number of teams in both leagues, and I think you could easily do that. And um, that, now the the question is, you know, what's in the what's in the task agreement? So one of the things that happens from a logistics point of view is that is that there's a, a franchise agreement between um, between the league and the and each club. So I think that those uh, the reason why it's going to take three or four years in order to do that is because you have to get new uh, language in all of those franchise agreements basically to allow ProRel to happen. Mm-hmm. Without having that in the franchise agreement, there's actually a contract issue and a, a legal problem. So I think that, that you know, my guess is, is that they're working on that and saying, okay, as these franchise agreements renew and we renew them, we're going to put in here that this possibility of ProRel is going to happen. Because because the thing is, if you paid a, a franchise fee for a championship team, Team, you don't want to be relegated, right? It's the same reason why, like, you know, David Tepper paying $325 million for Charlotte, if his team sucks year one, he doesn't want to wind up in the championship and having paid $325 million, right? So so you either need to compensate that person or have some some means of compensation or, um, you, know, you know, just say, look, you've, you know, you paid your $10 million or what it was, you know, 20 years ago and, you know, you might go down, like, and just that's it, that's the way it's going to be it's almost like this country doesn't have a billion dollar tv deal to incentivize why owners would want to spend money on players to get them to that promotion because they know they're going to get it back wow it's almost like pro rel wouldn't make sense from that mls level wow yeah. well it's it, so one one thing is in fairness is that it is a very um there's a chicken and egg thing, right? Because you obviously can get the big TV deal if you have the good players and if the quality of of the product is really good, but you can't get there without the big TV deal, right? So there's definitely, you know, there's definitely a chicken and egg issue going on. And, um, you know, know, again, get tired of seeing the pro rail stuff. So, you know, I got to throw a shot. Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, it's, I think it's coming in USL. It's just a matter of when and, Um, you know, so just everyone just be patient, right? Um, will MLS ever be involved? Probably not, uh, unless they, unless the owners there feel like being very altruistic. Yeah. Um, okay. So the off season, Jason, um, I'm, I'm going to the United soccer coaches convention the week after next. Um, I'll hopefully be doing some interviews there. So the next episode will probably be on the 22nd of January would be my guess. Um, and then we'll do two shows in February and then start back weekly in March. Is that the plan that we talked about? Yeah, I'll have a couple of player interviews. We'll recap what the first season was like. We'll kind of talk about, you know, the surprises of the league, a couple of guys playing professional their first year, what their thoughts were, what were the hardest parts of it, probably the travel, 
Um, so it'll, sh- it'll be fun. We'll give you guys some off-season content to, to fill the void because I've been fiending. I mean, like I wake up and I just stare at the calendar and I'm like, wow, we still have a whole <laughs> two months to go. Great. Fantastic. But there's Wonderful. still a lot, still a lot of stuff going on. So I'm sure we'll do some, uh, some GM and maybe owner interviews as well. And, uh, you, you know, your, uh, Jason will interview a bunch of players and, uh, um, you know, and, and we'll have other content. So just look out, you know, yeah. stay subscribed to the feed. Um, and we'll have stuff out there and we'll let you know on social media when that's available. Jason, where can people connect with you? You can connect with me at Home Sweet Soccer. And I can be found at Ira Jersey. You can connect with the show at League One Fun. That's League, the number one, and fun. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And check out bgn.fm for other great soccer podcasts and written content covering USL League One, USL Championship, USL League Two, NWSL, MLS, and much more. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Until next time, hashtag support local soccer. So let me ask you this, Mr. Arithmetic. If I was born on leap year, how old am I? Huh? How old am I, Mr. Numbers? <laughs> <laughs>